Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Well, hello, hello. Shall we gather back together then? Um, we're going to be opening God's word together. Um, but I'm going to pray um, just before we kick off. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just, Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you that we can gather together as your people. Lord, thank you that we can gather together as your church. Um, and Lord, thank you that you, you, you've put things on our heart. Um, Lord, you've put things, Lord, this vision that we're going to be talking about, Lord, you've laid it on our heart. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to try and accomplish this in our own strength. But Lord, you give us grace. You give us power. Lord, you equip us to achieve all that you've marked out for us to achieve. And Lord, we just want to give you glory. Lord, we want to heed some of those words that came this, this morning, that Lord, we're not in this alone. That regardless of the week, regardless of the situation that's happening around us, that Lord Jesus, you are faithful through it all. And that Lord, you supply every need. And that Jesus, you carry us forward. And so Lord, we just want to honour you. And just pray, Lord, that as we open your word together, Lord, that you would speak to us that, Lord, you would shape us, Lord, that you would fill us with faith for all that you called us to, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, a very warm welcome. If you missed it, um, my name's Rich, one of the pastors here. Um, it's great uh, to, to, to see you all here. Um, and over the last uh, couple of months, we've been working through a series um, on our vision um, as a church. And... Um, over that time, um, it, we've kind of explained in lots of different ways, and we've, we've come back to this verse time and time again. Um, and it's in Proverbs 29, verse 18. It's just one short little verse, um, and it says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he or she who keeps the law. When there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he or she who keeps the law. Now, interestingly here, um, I just want to pick up two things um, from, from this verse, and then we're going to uh, kind of pick up on our fourth element of the vision um, this morning. Um, but the writer in Proverbs uh, makes this connection. Um, he makes this connection between the law at the end of the verse and the prophetic vision that he talks about at the start of the verse. And now, the law was given to Moses. And, and, and the law set out for how God's people were going to um, navigate a relationship with him. God is holy. He's beyond us. He's other than us. And so what God did was he gave a law. And he said, by, by means of this law, we can be in relationship with one another. We can, we can actually draw closer. I can dwell with you. I can be amongst you. I can lead you. I can guide you. Um, but when you stray away from this law, then you need to come back. And actually, God's plan for bringing people back, we th see it throughout the Old Testament, was that, was that when the people of God strayed, that actually God would raise up a prophet. And prophets would bring people back to the law. They'd bring people back into relationship um, with God. And we see that the prophets, what they would do is essentially they would unify the people back around God's law. If you like, they would unify the people of God back around his vision. 
around how they were meant to interact and, and relate to God um, in those ways. And so essentially the prophets would, if you like, kind of define what it meant to be the people of God. They would share the vision of Israel, the nation of Israel. They would share what their common purpose was that was, that was to be surrounding God, to be, glor- to be glorifying him. Um, and it's a really interesting note because fundamentally... That's what, that's what we are called to do as Christians. So if you fast forward um, centuries to where we find ourselves today, actually part of the call on us, and we're going to get into the details of it, and we're going to look at some verses that w- will probably be quite familiar to us. But as we look at these verses, what we're going to see is that actually this, this message of bringing people back to God, bringing people um, towards God and, and, and having them sit around and, and live um, in, in, in light of that and have fellowship and relationship with God, that's actually what we're called to do. And so if you like, we are, if you like, a prophetic people. And that those around us, those that we interact with, we are calling those people into a relationship with God. We're orientating people into a common purpose and identity in God. The second thing uh, that I just want to pick out of this um, verse is that actually um, it gives people a common identity. It gives people, um, that there, there is something unifying in what, what happens. Where it says uh, in the verse, um, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. It's that essentially, they turn to whatever they want to do. They, they turn to their own agendas. In, 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 in our society, we call that individualism. You live for me. But actually, actually what, what prophetic vision does is it actually unifies a people around a common purpose, around a common goal. And we're going to see that um, as we move on. And we've been working through this uh, vision uh, series as a church. And God, I, I believe God has been unifying our hearts. He's been stirring us again with faith for that common purpose and common identity that he's got for us. That, common, that commonality that he's called us to um, as a church. And so we're going to be um, looking at the fourth element of our vision. We've done the first three. Um, so what are the first three elements of the vision then? We spent two months on this. So ho- hopefully we've got certain bits of it down. Um, but uh, what's the first element of our vision? Can you remember? 300 big people. God has called us to be 300 spiritually big people, mature believers. The second one? I can't hear you. Do you know what? I've actually taken my hearing aids out. So this is, <laughs> this is great, isn't it? Um, I, I, I'm going to believe you uh, that, that God said to be a resourcing church. <laughs> Um, that blesses the wider body with gifts, with people, with ministry, um, that blesses beyond um, the four walls of Revelation Church. Um, and then the third element, you're going to have to shout loud. Planting churches postcode by postcode across North London. Absolutely. And so we come to the fourth element of our vision today. And today we're going to be looking at what it means to be a people that plant churches um, across the cities and nations of the world. And I just want to say, before we get into um, the real meat of today, um, that 
we deliberately didn't ask Steph to preach on this. Um, if, if you know much of Steph's ministry and what he's involved with, he's increasingly giving his attention um, to churches outside of um, Revelation Church. So we even heard today he's um, off in the Middle East um, with, with some church planters out there. Um, that's increasingly where he's spending his time. Um, and I think it's really important that we understand that, that, that what... That when we talk about planting churches across the cities and nations of the world, that's not because it's born out of Steph's ministry. It's born out of the heart of God. Steph is working into many of these cities and nations of the world because it's on God's heart, because it's on God's agenda. And it's really important that we understand that. And so instead of us, you know, it would have been easy to, 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 to get Steph out and to talk about church planting in different nations, et cetera, et cetera, um, and having to talk about that and, and really encourage us and inspire us. That would have been wonderful. Um, but it's really important that we, that we demonstrate that this isn't just because Steph is based here and this is what God's doing in his ministry, but actually this is something that we own as a church. This is something that God is doing amongst us and actually the, the heart to plant churches across cities and nations of the world is rooted in God's heart. That's really important. It's really critical. So you're going to hear me bang on about planting churches and reaching nations of the world today. Um, now on one level you might be thinking, um, sure, I get it. Um, that we're to kind of evangelize uh, the world. We're meant to take this good news, this gospel, um, to um, different nations, to un unreached people groups, to uh, different circumstances and situations. Um, but you might, you might notice, actually, from some of the verses, and we'll look at them in a second, um, that, 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 that actually, it, it doesn't actually mention planting churches or starting Churches, which actually, if you're not from um, uh, uh, New Frontiers relational mission um, background, if, if this language is new to you, it can feel somewhat alien. You don't find that term church planting in the Bible. It's not there. And so where do we kind of get this from? It can all feel a little bit weird, to be honest. Um, but I want to show you today that, that some of the instructions that Jesus gives us are actually, are actually rooted and expressed through the way that we start churches, the way that we plant churches, and the way that we uh, will reach uh, cities and nations of the world. And so right at the end of Jesus' life, um, you're going to have to turn in your Bibles with me. Um, unfortunately, I haven't got any slides today. But if you turn in your Bible with me to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And right at the end of Jesus' life, after his resurrection, he comes and he appears to his followers, his disciples. Um, and he says then in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then again, um, in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, um, he says to his disciples who have gathered around him, 
And they say to him, they say to him, Jesus, are you at this time going to establish the kingdom of heaven? Is this, is this the moment you're going to take control? Is this the moment you're going to um, be the mighty victor? And Jesus says um, in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And these, these two passages in Matthew 28 and, and, and Acts 1, we can almost become over-familiar with these passages. In, in, in Acts 1, the disciples have literally just said to him, Jesus said, are you at this point going to take rule? Are you going to take ownership? Are you going to be the one that is... Are you going to replace emperors? Are you going to replace kings? Are you going to replace... Are you going to be that authority on earth that brings in the kingdom? And Jesus says, no, you are... Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is, this is, this is revolutionary. And we can see that he's really clear with his followers that, that those that have, that have come and put their trust in Jesus, those that have come um, and surrendered their life to him, that they're to take this message of good news about him to their friends, to their neighbours, to their colleagues, to their towns, to their cities, to the nations, to the ends of the earth. And interestingly, there's a work that God does in us that enables us to do that. You see, when they say, God, are you going to establish your kingdom now? And he says, no, you're going to be my witnesses. But just before that, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You see, God just doesn't leave us to just then get on with it. He didn't leave us to just, you know, just, well, great, that's it, off you go. He doesn't commission us and then whoosh, off you go, right? No, he then equips us with power to then achieve that. It's interesting because in these two passages I mentioned, there's no mention of the church. He didn't say go and start churches. He didn't say go and build churches. He said go and make disciples, you see, Jesus knew that if you go and make disciples, then those disciples will form the church. You see, if you don't have disciples, you don't have a church. And so the priority for us when we talk about church planting is about going to reach the lost. It's about going to make disciples. That's the whole point. Only, only once we have made disciples are people then gathered together into the church. I just want to read um, a quick uh, prophetic word that was given to us um, a number of years ago um, by somebody that, that's, that's quite a respected um, prophet. Um, he's since gone to be with the Lord. Um, but he said that the spiritual DNA of Rev was very transferable. And that we would have people come along and they would be with us for a couple of years or for a season. And they'd catch the DNA of who we are. And then they'd go and plant into some of the darkest corners of the world. That would bring the joy and light of the gospel. That's what God's spoken over us. That along with other words about us reaching the nations. That along with a track record of having seen people sent out periodically over the last 15 years 
to go and reach the lost, to go and start churches literally right to the ends of the earth. In fact, uh, Steph and I met with a couple a few years ago. Um, in fact, he's, the couple that he's visiting, um, because of the recording, I'm not going to say their name um, or where they are, but, but the couple that Steph is visiting at the moment, um, Steph and I met with them a couple of years ago and we sat down to chat with them um, and just talk about, they'd only been with us for a few years um, and, and we were just chatting about what God was doing and, um, and then they said, um, they said we, and they said literally this exact, pretty much this exact wording. They said, we love the DNA at Rev and we want to take that with us as we go to reach this people. Literally almost word for word. And where, the situation they've gone into is incredibly difficult and incredibly complex to the point where we're in the conversation sitting there going, I, I don't know if we can do this. Like you just look at it on paper, this is nuts. But if God's in it, Let's go for it. And I think all of us walked away from that thinking, do you know what, God, you're doing something here. You're doing something and we want to step into it. And we want to believe you for the fruit. We want to believe you for reaching a people group. We want to believe you for planting a church. We want to believe you for starting something in the midst of a really, really difficult, complex, um, nuanced situation that shines your light, that brings your glory that establishes a God-glorifying, Christ-centered church in the middle of that city. So we're going to look at uh, this aspect of the vision um, today. Um, we're going to look at it in two, in, in, in two kind of segments, if you like. Um, and essentially, we're going to look at first how the church is central to Jesus' mission. And then secondly, how it's central to Jesus' mission to reach the nations of the world with the good news. And so first of all, in Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, this is the first mention um, of the word church that we get in the Bible. Um, let's read it. In uh, Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus, uh, he, Jesus, said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now when we read a verse like that, and we read the word church there, we almost take it for granted that we have an understanding of what we believe the church to be. You might think of, even if, even if you thought that it, it's a gathering like we have today, um, or perhaps even you thought of you, your concept of a church was a building with a steeple and an altar. Um, but whatever it was, we have, we have a concept or an understanding of what we believe church to be. Um, the, the Greek word ecclesia, which is translated church here, um, it actually appears only twice in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the accounts of Jesus' life. It's only mentioned twice. Both of them are in Matthew. Interestingly, the word ecclesia is then used 23 times in the book of Acts. So what's happened from the Gospels to Acts? Something quite profound has actually happened. Interestingly, Acts was written by Luke, who also wrote one of the Gospels. He didn't mention the church in the Gospels. But 
he mentions 23 times the ecclesia in Acts. Now, if, we have, if, we, if, if you have a little bit of digging around, um, stylistically, um, the, Matthew's gospel um, is written to primarily a Jewish audience. And, and, and the Jews would have understood um, this concept of ecclesia. And the reason being, and this is what scholars think, um, is that, and you don't get this from scripture, but, 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 but history, culture tells us, um, that the ecclesia literally means the called out ones. Now in Jewish culture, you would have ecclesia. You would have little communities of called out ones. And usually what would happen is within the community, if there was something, an issue that had arisen within the community, then you would call together the ecclesia. You would call people out into a public space. It was literally calling people out of their homes into a public forum where you could have a discussion. And there would be respected members of the community that would preside over that and that would, that would help the community reach a point of agreement. And that was an ecclesia. That was a church. And so when Matthew talks about the, the, the church, that's what, that's what the disciples are thinking. This, this community of believers that are called out from their homes and come together to achieve a common purpose. To achieve a unified, peaceable solution to whatever the issue is in front of them. And so in Matthew 16, whether Jesus is referring to Peter himself or to the truth that Peter has just shared, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to build my church. There will be an ecclesia for me. People will be called out and they will join this community of my disciples. In, uh, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus is clear, people will be called out and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's interesting, this idea of being called out, because Peter, who Jesus spoke it to, in the, book of, in the letter in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 9, he then talks about us being called out of darkness and into light. You see, this is pretty big stuff. This is pretty macro stuff, right? That we are, the, we, we, we are called out Listen to, listen to what Paul then writes in Ephesians um, chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Uh, Paul says, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Verse 9, to bring to light, to call out into the open, to reveal the plan of the mystery that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. This is incredible. That the plan of God is that the church would demonstrate the wisdom of God. You see, the church is not just an optional extra. You may, you, you may have grown up in, in a church environment where, 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 where it was all about, where, 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 
That's unfair. It, it, you may have grown up in an environment where actually there was an expectation where at some point you would pray a prayer and you would, you, you, you would know a personal relationship with God. And very often that's done in the context of a community. But you see, the, the issue is we have, to, we have to understand who we are in relationship to that community. And we're not very good at that. We're not very good at understanding that our, our lives are to be based within a community. This individualism that I spoke about right at the beginning, we cast off restraint. We just do what we want to do. We have our own agendas, our own objectives, our own goals. But you see, being a Christian, yes, absolutely, it's about praying that prayer of faith. It's about coming to the Lord. It's about repenting of sin. But it's also about being knit together into a community. It's also about being part of the church. It's also about understanding the ecclesia is now something we are a part of. It's right at the very core of God's plan to reach the world. To reach to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus is utterly committed to building his church. And reveals it as central in his plan for his disciples. And if you're a believer, that includes you and me. And so the second aspect of this, that Jesus' mission to reach the nations of the world with the good news. That Jesus' mission is to reach the nations of the world with the good news. To come back to that verse in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This outline, this very short verse, basically sets, if you like, an outline for the rest of the book of Acts. And actually, what, this, what, what Luke is describing here in one verse Essentially, when you read the book of Acts, the story of the early church, from chapters 2 through to about 7, it essentially talks about how the gospel was spreading in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 8 through to about 12, it talks about how the gospel was spreading in Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas. And then from chapter 13 onwards... It describes how the gospel is spreading throughout most of the known world. You see, there's a trajectory that we're on. That actually this gospel is spreading. This gospel um, that we're looking at throughout the book of Acts is actually being effective and is bringing about transformation. People are being completely turned around. They're being added. They're becoming disciples. They're giving their lives to the Lord, and they're becoming part of the Ecclesia. So let's jump over to um, Acts chapters 8 and 9. And we're just going to pick out a few verses throughout these chapters, and we'll see how this, their understanding of the church kind of unfolds. Um, but first, a little bit of background. So in Acts chapter 7, um, the believers uh, have all been in Jerusalem, um, and uh, they've grown in number. Um, and one of the disciples, Stephen, is basically accused of blasphemy. 
um, and they drag him before uh, the council and they make all sorts of accusations. He defends himself. Um, and, it, and, and chapter 7 ends with Stephen being dragged out of the city and stunned. And, and, and what, what happens then in chapter 8, verse 1, is persecution then breaks out on the church. And so it says in chapter 8, verse 1, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. We're then told a couple of verses later in verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So the persecution comes on the church and they basically flee. They run, right? Because because of what's happened to Stephen. Um, And wherever they go, they just begin to preach the word. They can't help themselves. They're sharing this good news of Jesus wherever they go. And what we see here is that there's one church in Jerusalem. Persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And what we see here is that as they come under persecution by um, a man named Saul, they're scattered. But they just can't stop talking about Jesus wherever they go. And then... Uh, we see that they are then scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Hard those two places in your mind. Because then, in Acts uh, chapter 9, verse 31, we read, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, was being built up, walking in fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Well, here's an interesting thing, because in, at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, there is the church in Jerusalem that is then scattered. In Acts chapter 9, we have the church that is in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. This thing is growing. This thing is expanding. The disciples, they're preaching as they go. People are being uh, saved. People are believing in Jesus. People are being discipled. They're being added to the church. And as it's increasing, more it's reaching more and more people. You see, in Matthew 28, verse 18, when Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples, he's talking about this extension of the church. That small ecclesia would have formed wherever these believers went and people put their trust in Jesus. It wouldn't necessarily have been feasible for everybody to travel back to Jerusalem every Sunday. Not that they would have met on a Sunday. But it wouldn't have been feasible for them to all gather together in Jerusalem. They would have met in much smaller local churches, local congregations, local gatherings of believers. And although there's, there's one church, what we see is lots of different expressions. Wherever they go, wherever they end up, these little different expressions of, of faith spring up all over the place. And then we see in Acts the expanse of this message that is just continually reaching ever and ever increasing and ever and ever distant places. In Acts 6, verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. In Acts 12, verse 24, The word of God increased and multiplied. In Acts 13, verse 49, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. 
And then Acts 19, verse 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This, 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 this shouldn't... Hopefully some of these scriptures are familiar to us. But it's a fresh understanding of the way that God uses his church to equip and to shine a light wherever we go. You see, it shouldn't really have been a surprise to the disciples because in Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said, um, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Jesus said that to his disciples in Matthew 24. And so what does this mean for us? It's wonderful to see this expanse, this growth, this emergence of the church and this understanding of the called out ones gathering together um, and God just breathing his life and, and, and breathing power and giving power um, for them to be witnesses and to, to take this message of the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Well, here in London, instead of us having to go to the nations, the nations have come to us, right? Like, like, like London is one of those cities. We have the nations on our doorstep. And so, to, so, so, so we can take the gospel to the nations literally by going to work and sharing our faith, by chatting to our neighbours and telling them about testimonies, about how we prayed for something God provided. We, it's, this, this is the stuff of day-to-day life. What does it mean to carry the nations in your heart? It doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to some fun, far-flung nation to reach an unheard people group that nobody's ever heard of before. It might be building a relationship with somebody over the corridor. Or it might be sharing a testimony about what God's done. It might be opening the word of God with somebody and just bringing some wisdom into a situation. For some of us, though, it will mean going to other nations. For some of us, it will mean reaching beyond London. Now, we have a lot of learning to do in this, absolutely. And, 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 and we're only at the beginning stages of what God has begun to stir up amongst us. But when you look at some of the prophetic words that God's spoken over us, when you look at some of the track history that God has been developing amongst us of people that have gone to some of these other nations, and, 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 and they go, they go not... not to build a church, not to establish an organization, not to get you know, all of these things in place, but they go to reach people. What you notice about every time they went, um, particularly in uh, those verses that I read at, out in Acts, the word of God, the word of God, and the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord. There's, there's something that happens as, as, as we go out and we, and we share what Jesus has done, as we share what he accomplished for us on the cross, as we, as we give testimony, as we bring witness to who he is, 
there's something that happens whereby people are people are, are drawn to it. People are open to the gospel. And I'd love us um, to continue to be carrying the nations in our heart. Because what we what 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 God is building here at Rev is a strong base from which we can send people, from which we can um, release people into ministry, for which we can see people head to these different nations, start to reach their friends, and then start to plant churches. Start to see like shining lights and expressions of what God's doing um, amongst the nation. For some of us, that might be intentionally building relationships with some of those people. For others, it might be prayer support, um, getting prayer points, prayer updates, and just standing with people and praying for them. For others, it may be financially supporting what God is doing um, in other nations and things like that. But I do believe that's what we're called to. I do believe that's what part of what the last 15 years have been about. I do believe that's why Steph is in the Middle East at the moment. I, genu- I genuinely believe this is what God's doing. And I want us to carry that sort of faith 